Hey y'all, welcome back to Love, Sex, and Applied Behavior Analysis, the podcast where pop culture and ABA meet. Yay! So, welcome to Tacting with Tequila, No Tequila tonight because I'm tired, but... Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about all the things today. And by we, I mean my favorite guest, Jamie. Hi. Hey, girl. Oh, my God. Um, so we're, I think we're going to be talking, honestly, about, um, geez, like relational frame theory. We're going to be talking a little bit about um, the training that you do, the master resilient training, master. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of positive psychology, um, a lot of just antecedents behaviors, consequences, stimulus control, all the things. So um, I'm pumped. I want to touch super, super quick on um, Will Press Lover for news. Um, Jamie and I, right before we hit the record, I'm like, holy shit, like, I don't know anything that's going on in pop culture and neither does she. I'm just going to, you know, take that to our age. I don't know. But it's Pride Month. I'm super, super excited about that. Um you know, hashtag Marsha P. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Stormy Deborah. I mean, just all the people. Mm-hmm. So happy Pride, baby. Happy Pride, baby. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, I figure we can jump right into the segment since we don't know shit about pop culture right now. I know. It's kind of a shame. What is going Like, have we? I don't like, think. No I, news, no nothing. Truly. I haven't, like, watched anything. We'll better. <laughs> so this episode is about becoming unfuckwittable. So um, as most of you know, I am doing an e-course on becoming unfuckwittable, which is this concept essentially of just radically loving yourself. And I think the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because for most of my life, I did not love myself. And I had no idea that I I didn't love myself, but I was like simultaneously given all of these, you know, quotes and all of these, um, yeah, on self-love. So, you know, biblically speaking, this whole idea of like, you know, you're supposed to like love your neighbor as you love yourself. Um, You know, RuPaul, um, this whole like, if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love yourself? Yeah. And so before I kind of talk about my journey, I thought it would be really, really interesting um, to get your perspective on knowing me and loving me and really just having, um, I think, just the most intimate, probably, um, relationship with me throughout this journey. And I want you to feel free to be as honest as as you can um, or as you feel comfortable being. And so I guess the first thing I want to ask you about is what was your perception of me when we first met? It was a struggle. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, though. Jeez. <laughs> I know, like, right I'm off kidding. the bat. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> knowing you, so in the beginning, I don't know. I saw you as this like very generous, very caring, very... Um, gentle, like spirit, mm-hmm. someone who is spontaneous and adventurous, but also very sensitive and emotional. So you're emotional, but there is also 
some logic there. Yeah. But it was just a matter of when the logic was going to kick in. You know what I'm saying? Whenever you would get upset. Yeah. Or when your feelings were hurt or, you know, whatever. Um, I think you were ha- like more passive to passive aggressive. So when someone hurt your feelings, when someone upset you, you had more of a passive approach to um, holding them accountable for it. And, but if it were like, say, if, say you were talking to me about it, I would hear your true feelings. Yeah. And I'm like, well, did you tell say them? That, or yeah. did you say that? And I don't think you really, I don't think you were there yet on your journey, like navigating the confidence to like do that. Yeah. Um, I think in the beginning, there are definitely some kind of confidence issues and mm-hmm. some insecurities. Yeah. But yeah, still one of the most beautiful spirits I've met. Thank you, babe. Um, and so before I guess we dive deeper, what is your perspective of me um, since starting um, my self-love journey? I mean, exponential growth. Like, this shit is crazy. Like, exponential growth. I think there's... I think so much more like moment to moment self-awareness. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Where you like, there are these uh, counterproductive thoughts Mm -hmm. that you might think or counterproductive behaviors. And you like a lot more than I think before you catch yourself in the moment, you'll be like, okay, I'm not going to respond how I usually respond to this. I'm actually going to take this route, which is, you know, usually, you know, more 90% of the time now, a more um, productive route. I think like you were much more confident in your body Mm -hmm. and your scars. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, I think, you know, even us going to the beach, our visits to the beach kind of centered around, you know, what you were going to wear because who's going to see your scars, what would they say, what would they think, Mm -hmm. what would I think. Yeah. And I think now it's like beautiful to see you just kind of like, fuck it. Like, fuck it, this shit happens, shit happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I love, we're still, we're still on the way up the mountain to oh, yeah. holding people accountable. Yeah, absolutely. And I think That's a struggle it's for me. easier. Yeah, yeah. I think much of this journey has been easier when it involves just adjusting your thoughts or adjusting your uh-huh. behaviors. But I think the problem is when you're already like a non-confrontational person and you have to then deal with, you know, the possibility of what that person might say or what that person might do, should you try to hold them accountable? And I think that's where, you know, we're still working on that part. Yeah. Um, I I think have I been, I think I've been a little bit more cognizant of like, coming to you or not coming to you though so emotionally like when people hurt my feelings or when people oh, upset yeah, me that's a recent development <laughs> very recent very like recent, the last like two that. weeks yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> listen progress that. is progress yeah <laughs> um and okay so i think this is the last question i want to ask before we really dive in okay. what is like from your perspective what is being or becoming unfuckwittable I think it's just that. I really hope people don't hear all this noise I mean, outside. Listen, I'm I feel so like sorry, I wanna, like, y'all. Scream all above it. I know. Just to block it out. I hope y'all hear. 
Um, I think it's, for me, it's more so about resourcing the internal tools to like build self-esteem and self-confidence and self-love and um, affirmations mm-hmm. and you know so many things that we, especially as women, especially as black women, we are taught to receive from the world yes. or receive from our friends or, or especially our romantic relationships. Yeah. We're not really taught to resource that stuff from within ourselves. Right. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I think it is like finding those tools and then tweaking them to work like for you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So um, the way that Sonia Renee Taylor defines radical self-love is our inherent state of being as worthy and enough. It is the unobstructed access to our highest selves. And when I was trying to figure out, as you know, my definition of just radical self-love that I now have kind of quantified as being unfuckwittable, that whole unobstructed, like that idea of how I feel about me is absolutely unshakable was the most powerful eye-opener for me mm-hmm. um, because I think one of the the main things that I struggled with, and, and admittedly so I still struggle with, is um, allowing what other people think about me to dictate what I think about me. I'm on that journey too. And it's very, really? Oh, yeah, of what? Of course. I didn't know that. I mean, I-, I You know, that's like, I, I don't uh, it's a, a huge source of my like self-consciousness. Yeah, I maybe I just didn't know that it was kind of similar to mine. That's interesting. Well, no, um, I think, I think it, it presents different, in different yeah, ways. Yeah. 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 Um and so one of the things I think is really really cool about this e-course is I'm not teaching it from a place of I already have it figured out. I already have it together. So I'm teaching it. Together. Yeah. And because it's an ongoing thing. And I think what I have realized about self-love, let alone a radical self-love, <clears throat> is that we weren't like between capitalism, racism, homophobia, like religious oppression, like all sure. the things we were, were literally taught not to like ourselves, True. let alone to love ourselves. And it really is this act of defiance to intentionally draw your attention to how you can love yourself in that highest regard. And that's very, very hard. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very laborious. And I think, I don't know, I feel like it is this balance between like kind of looking at the roots. So in like childhood and things like that. And then also balancing that with like present moment stuff that kind of comes up. So when we come back, I want to kind of talk about from your perspective, um, a little bit more about just this whole becoming unfuckwittable journey. So we are back and we, (laughs) we kind of left off with this whole idea of, um, this stuff really kind of starting in childhood and then leading up to like present day moments. And so between, I think, both of our studies with psychology, specifically positive psychology, we both have a lot of experience in studying this idea that, like, the behaviors that we saw modeled for us tend to be the behaviors that we repeat. Um, 
And oftentimes we're doing this kind of like thoughtlessly Mm -hmm. and like we get triggered almost kind of thoughtlessly or we get, you know, whatever these emotions are kind of thoughtlessly. And so in becoming unfuckwittable, as you know, I use Maslow's hierarchy of needs to kind of draw that parallel. But what I'm interested in is a little bit of background for from you on just like MRT and how like there are definitely things that have been rooted probably in like our conditioning and how we're socialized um, that, you know, starts in that childhood kind of phase in our life that affects us present moment. So I know with MRT, you guys deal with a lot of present moment triggers Mm -hmm. and present moment thoughts and things like that. Mm -hmm. But what, if if at all, does MRT touch on when it comes to like childhood stuff? You know what? It doesn't. Okay. It really doesn't. It just focuses on like that in the moment, those in the moment kind of productive thoughts that we work to change. And I think it serves as a, as a possible building block. Mm, okay. Into like, if say they were going to therapy, it would serve as a building block into um, like, you know, socialization or learn, learn history. Yeah. But no, it doesn't. What I are, I wouldn't say like a building block, but you know what I mean? What are your kind of thoughts on this idea of thoughtlessly kind of behaving in ways that are like almost like very clear indications that like we haven't maybe addressed some of our childhood, either models or childhood, I don't know, traumas, issues. Um, So for example, you know, we've talked on the show before about, um, I don't know, that whole mountain issue. We had to come up with a new example there. That's a really good example (laughs) though. Um, For listeners, if you haven't listened to that episode, Uh I highly, highly, highly recommend that one is the shoot the, no, not the shoot the shit, Jesus, the putting sugar on shit episode. Um, But I think that it was a really good, um, you know, example of in the moment I was so triggered by being wrong about literally the name of a mountain that my emotional response to it. So those private events and then also just my overt behavior to it mm-hmm. was absolutely like disproportionate to what actually was happening, which yeah, that was, was that I simply like got the like the name of something yeah, wrong. That was definitely like an MRT thinking traps moment. Yeah. Where you found yourself in a me, me, me. Like I'm always wrong. I'm always messing stuff up. She must think I'm stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's where, I think that's where, um, MRT, with the skills of MRT really come into use because just in the moment you can kind of identify the negative, not negative, but the counterproductive thought theme yeah. that you're thinking and replace it with um, more like a social cue mm-hmm. or a, a probing question to reframe that thought. Yeah. Like, is it really that she thinks? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or is it, you know, what, what are we missing here? Like, mm-hmm. Did she say that? You know? Yeah. It's like, no, well, she didn't. So it kind of gets you thinking. You know, I think one of the best the things one of the things I love the most about behavior analysis, which, again, is the study of human behavior, which is different than or which is bigger, I should say, than oftentimes like the the clinical roles that we're all in now. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing I love about behavior analysis, uh, the thing I love about um, relational frame theory is that it goes deeper than studying just the antecedents. 
which is, you know, what happens right before behavior happens. And it goes a little bit deeper than um, the consequence, like studying the consequences of, you know, whatever happened immediately after we engage in a behavior. It really does apply, especially RFT, this contextual kind of narrative to this and that like, it's a literally like a moment to moment in the context of whatever it is that is happening. So like maybe if that was my friends, for example, that were like, no, Cam, like that's not what that mountain is called. It it would probably be, it would have looked a lot different, I think, if it wasn't you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, well, what then is my trigger with, you know, my spouse or my girlfriend or my whoever um, correcting me, you know what I mean? Or, or me being wrong. Um, there's a huge ambulance outside. We are really trying to um, mitigate we that. We should the door prior to <laughs> We should have. Um, but, the, you know, but the thing is, though, is that so many people don't realize that that stuff comes from somewhere. Yeah. Like, we think, like, oh, well, this is just how I am. Mm-hmm. But it truly, truly comes from somewhere. And I don't think that we, we have the self-awareness and sometimes, I think, lack the intentionality mm-hmm. to, to really try to, like, <clears throat> do the research mm-hmm. to figure out where it comes from. Yeah. I think too, when it comes to the four functions of the behavior, which per behavior analysis are um, attention, automatic reinforcement, um, access to something and escape from something. I also don't think that we are reinforced for being honest about what the function of our behaviors are moment to moment. So in this mountain experiment, if I really had to look back or experiment (laughs) incident that was definitely not an experiment um if i had to think back on it though what was the function of my crying or of my yelling like sure yes from an emotional standpoint i felt embarrassed sure from an emotional standpoint you know i may have felt stupid or whatever but what was the behavior of crying trying to serve me right it was literally escaping this these feelings but also just escaping this reality of like, I don't like not knowing something. Mm -hmm. And what then, to your point, how can I take that a step deeper and be like, well, why don't I like not knowing something? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and what's wrong with that? And I think, I think the thing I love most about becoming unfuckwittable, this e-course is using literally behavior analysis Mm -hmm. and positive psychology and kind of bridging them to really help people understand that this course is for everybody. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think we also do this like struggle Olympics thing where people are like, well, I don't know, Cammy's issues, you know, I don't know, have to do with her having cancer, but like, I didn't have cancer. So who am yeah, I to like not love not myself a, or, a, yeah, it's not a 10 on a scale of one to yes. 10. It's invalid. And, and it's like, like no. no, like that's not true. Yeah. Um, One of the most interesting things, though, about my journey with becoming unfuckwittable that I would love to hear you talk more about is all of the things that I have learned thus far and I'm continuing to learn in my journey. You have told me. Listen, at least at least. A year ago well, or two years ago. Or... And, and start copyrighting <laughs> So what was that like? So for you, I mean, truly, like you you have always been like perspective taking. You've always been like, 
about like allocating or choosing how and if you're going to allocate your time, your energy, your resources or whatever mm -hmm. um, in certain spaces. Um, what has that been like um, for you to kind of see that shift in me? It's been, well, one, it makes me really proud of you that you actually like, again, it takes self-awareness and then it takes intentionality. You know what I'm saying? And then it takes consistency even in times of like relapse. So you've just been very like intentional about making these changes. So one, it makes me proud, but then two, and these are, this is something I don't think people realize for people who are partnered is that a lot of times your partner has to be the one to absorb a lot of this stuff. Yes, yes. And depending on whether your partner is, is emotional or, you know, logical or balance of both, there's only so much bandwidth that they have yeah. to like absorb this stuff. Yeah. So I think it's kind of been a, a bit of a, um, a, I don't, don't want to say like Relief. a weight lifted off but, my shoulders. No, so but like, yeah. It sounds kind of dramatic, but um in a way it kind of has been because it's like, okay, you are, you're standing on your own two feet yeah, and you are, you know, you're doing the work. You're doing the work to get high for your own supply. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of being unfuckwittable is weaponizing my being a control freak and weaponizing mm. it now to work for my benefit. And really what, I do now, and again, I'm not like perfect at it, but what I try to do now is utilize my choices to really, really work for me and not against me. So, um, and I'm not kidding when I say this, like now I may still get triggered, right? I may I still that. be really, really upset. And I will literally either say out loud or I'll say to you, I'm going to be upset about this. I'm letting myself be upset about this for 10 minutes. Yeah. And if that 10 minutes elapses, I'm going to make an intentional choice to either move on or I'm just going to choose. Cool. I'm letting my, I'm, I choose to let myself continue to be upset about this for like 20 more minutes or whatever. Yeah. And I think what this power of this choice has allowed me to feel is one and more control, but two, it's allowed me to really think about my thoughts and like, think about my feelings and really figure out, how is this really, really worth a lot of this energy that I'm expending? So I, as you know, I hate this like overused word of an empath. So I'm now just coining myself a sensitive. Yeah. Um, and, but, but I think you touching on that energy absorption as my partner is really, really deep. And I think that's a part of a lot of our journeys, our own personal journeys that people don't touch on. Mm -hmm. And that like me not loving myself Although you have always, I think, set healthy boundaries like with yourself, mm -hmm. absolutely impacted you. Mm -hmm. But my learning to love myself was like non-contingent on you. Like, mm -hmm. sure, I didn't want, I, I accepted the responsibility of impacting you, but I don't. It wasn't like, I'm going to take, I'm going to go on this journey because I no longer want yeah. to. Yeah. No, it wasn't that at all. Yeah. Um. And then another, I think another thing I love besides choice, I think choice is my favorite thing. One of my favorite things to teach on. Like add on oh, to, go ahead. I'm going to add on to choice because I've noticed that even in our relationship is that you'll say something like, okay, babe, can you get the tickets for, you know, whatever this dinner and like a day goes by, yeah, <laughs> two days go by. And instead of getting, you know, getting yeah, instead or... of, yeah, instead of like letting resentment grow, instead of like, 
you know, nagging me about it. You just be like, I bought the tickets. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> like, like moved on. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and if it's for something I just like really don't want to have to do. And I, I am very privileged to be able to say this, but I also don't, I want to, I don't want to sound arrogant when I say this. I am now in a place as you know, where I'm just like, fuck it. I will hire out. Like if I really I'll don't want to do it out. and you don't have the energy or, bang, oh gosh, to do it. We should do a follow-up episode though about ADHD because I think that, oh, that was, well, no, what I was going to, well, no, what I was going to say is, is that understanding that oh listen has absolutely both we can do like an eight-hour episode like things that i've learned well with like you know what i mean like i think it has also helped me to just apply more understanding to you though um but yeah i'm just like i just don't want to be upset about this or i may still be upset about it but i'm at least conscious of the fact like okay this is a trigger i am upset about this but Camille, how long are you going to choose to allow yourself to engage with this feeling yeah. and kind of working with it that way? So choice is my all-time favorite thing to teach on because I don't think we are actually conscious of the fact that we have a choice mm-hmm. in in like how we engage with our feelings. Mm-hmm. Like sure, we may be triggered, you know, and, and I definitely am not a person that thinks that like we can just control all of our feelings or whatever. Yeah. But to be like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I feel embarrassed right now. And not only do I feel that way, I'm actually choosing to like allow myself to sit in that for a minute. I wanna choose to allow myself to embody that embarrassment for a minute versus what the world I think kind of teaches us to do, which is like to push these feelings aside, suppress these feelings, and then they're inevitably gonna come up. It's like, no, actually I wanna get comfortable with this feeling. I wanna interrogate like why I'm feeling this. Mm -hmm. And it's all this like this conscious choice. My second favorite thing to teach on um, is perspective mm, and that was, that was that was big yeah that was big and this whole like and not but thing mm-hmm. so one of the most empowering things i have learned with my self-love journey and my becoming unfuckwittable is just how deeply tied to the connotations to words i am And so the main one I always use as an example, and it's something that I just, I struggle with a lot is insecurity. Mm -hmm. And it'll be like, I am literally feeling this way, (laughs) like textbook insecurity or embarrassment or anything like that, or jealous, right? Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And they're like these like hot button words, but because of these negative connotations to it, what do I try to do? I try to like suppress these feelings. I try to like make them go away. I lie about not feeling them or whatever. And all that is doing truly for me. Yeah, it shows up as somewhere else. And it and it also almost kind of takes on its own form of like anti-self-love because it's like, no, like at this moment in time, literally moment to moment, yeah, this is a part of me. So instead of then trying to fight it, I now can be like, okay, I want to choose to acknowledge it. If it is something I feel like it's you that's triggering me or it's my mom or my dad or my bot, whoever it is, then I can make another choice of like, okay, Camille, how can I engage in a healthy way with this insecurity versus like pushing it aside because, you know, all the Instagram quotes are like, you can't, I don't know, get a man or whatever the fuck, or you can't be married if you're insecure. And then it's also this perspective taking of like, but 
I didn't make this feeling up. Like this feeling, like you said, came from somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's rooted in a different place. Mm -hmm. And it's just learning how to just apply this different perspective that, again, you have been telling me about for a long time. Yeah, a lot of times with with insecurities and you, you, and lack of confidence and things like that, we catastrophize. Yeah, I so, do that a lot. Yeah, so, I mean, so you're down the rabbit hole of, like, catastrophizing. Yes. And a lot of times that reframing is like, okay, what are the facts? Yep. Let's talk about, let's not talk about the assumptions. What are the facts? And sometimes the facts alone will, you know, bring you back to reality. Like, yeah. no... That like you're really is thinking of examples on this. One, it's like, I'm is this true? So like the whole that. mountain thing. Is this like, am I embarrassed? Yes. Can I choose to engage in that feeling? Yes. Can like, I? I, I know I'm not that, stupid. Like in in like, or staying with that whole, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. What evidence is actually exactly. there to be like, Camille, exactly. you are stupid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and again with this whole and not but thing, I could be all the things. I can literally be like stupid in one moment and be mm-hmm. a fucking scholar in and then the exact same moment. Yeah. And it's like they don't have to be in you. I think a lot of in a lot of our relationship um have always tried to teach me that that like Camille, all these things yeah, can be true at true once. Yeah. And like it is it is okay. Um, I think you hitting on reframing, um, and I, we'll take a quick break, but you hitting on reframing is the next part I want to talk about because I, I truly should probably credit becoming unfuckwittable mainly just to you. Okay, because listen, <laughs> I, I walk in on some of these gyms. <laughs> I give you your know, credit, I though. I walk in on some of these gyms and some of these lessons, and I stand there with the Kevin Hart face like I know. No, how much like, of the I cut? I know you know I've said that to no, you babe, several times. No, babe, you're like, I want, what is it, no, 1% said, of the company? 2% and some head rubs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no. we'll be right back, and we'll talk about reframing. So I love reframing. It is the hardest thing for me to do in the moment. And just like anything else with practice, I think I'm just getting better at it. But the interesting thing I think for me about reframing is the way I conceptualize reframing, I first heard of this in undergrad. So my minor in undergrad was in gender and women's studies. And I I think each year they have like this quote that, you know, each major or each school rather, like has this quote that like, you know, they allocate towards that year. And the quote in... I don't even know which undergrad year I was in, but the quote was, don't believe everything you think. And for me, that is exactly what reframing is. It's literally making this active choice of not believing everything I think moment to moment, both within my trigger and absent of my trigger. I think I thought that my work on myself was within my trigger and what I'm learning for me personally about my self-love journey is the actual work on myself is like within the maintenance. When I'm mm-hmm. not triggered, how am I talking to myself? Mm-hmm. When I'm not triggered, am I coming to you to resource me? You know, because you're like my main support system here. Is Am I posting on social? What What is, what am I doing like in my maintenance? Um, because I think in the moment that 
lately has been like a little bit where like my logic, I think kind of will come in faster than like my emotions. Um, but it's like when I'm bored, <laughs> like, or when I'm whatever, you know what I mean? How am I constantly reframing a lot of these thoughts? And like you said, um, looking for that evidence to support them. Um, what has your perspective of me been with reframing? That's a, it's another, another intentional one. I think you've just been like very, very, I think what's interesting is that you do the work, a lot of the work out loud. I, like I'm not, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do a lot of the work out loud or you do a lot of the work via um, text. And yeah. I think there's still some, I think you still kind of hold back. I think there's still, you kind of get, get in your head um, a bit still, but you just don't like uh, let it fester as much. Yeah, yeah. Instead, you just try to talk it out either with yourself or, you know, um, write it, you'll write it out or, yeah. you know, meditate or something like that. Mm -hmm. so. so I think when it comes to becoming unfuckwittable, the thing that tends to, I tend to get a lot of questions about, especially being a behavior analyst, is this whole idea of shadow work or reparenting. Mm. I typically, as behavior analysts, we tend to operate just like in the moment. Um, I don't think as a collective, we tend to do a very good job of being um, just like very like person-centered sometimes in our approaches. And I think that that's part of the reason why we need things like ABA reform. Um, whereas I think in like more um, like therapeutic kind of way or therapeutic kind of fields, we tend to kind of consider like the whole person, I think a little bit more. Um, the really interesting thing to me about shadow work is we oftentimes are doing shadow work without us actually knowing that we're doing it. Um, and we tend to do it we tend to not do it when we actually need to. So for example, um, and essentially all shadow work is, is really starting to examine like the little version of you. Um, and again, this is also called reparenting. And so oftentimes we will do this, especially because, you know, when the day and age of social media, we're all like self-care. So we'll do it in like those kind of ways, right? Like maybe I'll just go get a pedicure or, you know, maybe I'll, I don't know, sit in the massage chair for a long time, like whatever it is, maybe I'll go get my nails done or whatever. Um, and those might become like a routine and yes, they feel good and, you know, you're taking care of yourself or whatever, but I think the part that we don't understand or we don't talk about enough, especially in behavior analysis, um, is this idea of reparenting ourselves outside of like the stereotypical trauma that we hear about. So in our field, and just like, I believe in, in yours as just like a collective burnout, Things like that are very, very relevant. Mm -hmm. um, things like not having good leaders, things like not having a good support system. They're just very prevalent. Mm -hmm. When it comes to things like just even like our relationship dynamics between like, you know, romantic relationships, platonic relationships, yeah. our, whatever. Um, but it's like, who is little Camille in these relationships? And, and what does 
what do I do as like 31 year old Camille when I feel like little Camille isn't being taken care of? Mm -hmm. And typically what we do is, especially we as women, cis women, I think in particular, we are taught to depend on other people. And I think that has been probably one of the main things that you have had to, um, I don't want to say like suffer with, but, but you have been impacted by. So if I'm lonely and like I miss my friends and I'm really, really sad that like nobody has mailed me a care package or I'm really sad that like my birthday's like at, at, at like mid, I don't know, 6 a.m. their time and midnight my time and nobody has called me or whatever. And I'm feeling all of these things instead of resourcing myself, instead of at first giving myself what I need in that moment and reparent myself in that moment. Instead, I'm like looking to you to like fill in all of these gaps Mm -hmm. for all of these emotional and mental things that I need. And I just think that's so common, especially in marriages or especially in friendships where like, you know, like you have those friends that in relationships where there is almost like this codependence. But I just don't think that oftentimes we were taught to like just self-resource. And I don't think we're even taught to trust ourselves that we actually have the ability to self-resource. And so, like, for me, I literally am starting to, like, fucking talk to myself. And it will literally be in the moment. Like, you can ask my RBTs where I'm like, I don't know, like, damn it, Camille, like, I miss you today. And I'm like, okay, well, what can, and I'm literally, like, talk, like, okay, Camille, like, so what What do you need? Like, literally in the moment, like, what do you need? Oh, I don't know. Like, I, don't, I just need to, like, go home and, like, lay down for a minute, like, and just have a weighted blanket. And instead of being like, Jamie, hug me. I'm like, no, like I'm just going to get a weighted blanket because I can resource myself or damn it. Jamie hurt my feelings. I literally will like say like, Oh, Pono Pono prayer. And like, just say, okay, I'm sorry, Camille. And like all these like little things and I'm not perfect at it. I just really, again, I just want to, but like (sighs) reparenting, I think is one of the most beautiful acts of self-love I have learned to give myself. And again, you have to be so intentional with it. Like it literally was like a couple of weeks ago where like, I'm all out of whack. I'm getting all clingy and shit like that with you. And I'm just like, whew, okay, Camille, like you, you're you not working the steps. Like I literally caught like, uh, call them, anybody who's in BU, I'm like, okay, cool. Like, have you worked the steps? And, and I'm like, Camille, like you haven't worked the steps because now you're reverting back to that codependence, you're reverting back to almost trying to like force people in my life, like in controlling them instead of like no choosing to control me in these like more self-loved, higher regard kind of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's hard though. And I know I just have been rambling, but have you had to do any kind of reparenting? And if so, what was that like? I have, but I find that that's probably like the most difficult for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, it's the, mo- I mean, it's, it just is, it's labor intensive. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I think I've um, sat in a couple of like earlier sessions. If you working with some of the ladies to like reparent and, you know, they're, they're um, kind of speaking to their, you know, ba- the baby cells, their mm-hmm. toddler cells, they're, you know, they just kind of progress through the ages. I really am a, like really into this. I forgot that you've actually like overheard some of those sessions and I can just imagine how beautiful and necessary it is, but also how like tough that is. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you have to be able to self-resource. Like, so um, my mentor, as you know, Layla Martin, she's taught me a lot of resources and a lot of tools on like this pendulum, um, this pendulum exercise where in the moment, literally thinking back to a time that your feelings were hurt, thinking back to, um, and it doesn't, ha- you don't need to think back to like the most traumatic event in yeah. your life, but really thinking yeah. about a time where like, I felt sad or I felt hurt and allowing my body to react to that in this moment, in like the present day moment. And it tends to be this like emotional thing. And, and I'm also learning, we're just so disconnected from like our bodies that like, I have so much like control issues, like with my body where it's like, I've done these exercises and I won't let my body just like do what it wants when it's really, when I'm really embodying like sadness, I'm still all like controlled and all like pent up and, you know, all that stuff. Um, But I'm working on that. But when I do kind of get to some degree of that, it literally is like really cool to also in that exact same practice, be able to pendulum myself and self-resource myself to then slowly but surely think about a time where I felt bliss Mm. and also follow my body and allow my body to just like caress itself or allow myself to cry happy tears or just laugh out loud or whatever it is. Um, And even that, like knowing that I have the choice to like pendulum back and forth and to in that moment resource myself in both. I mean, I could literally do, I think, a whole course on reparenting. Like, it really is just beautiful. The principles of reparenting, which I think it's interesting that you say you struggle with. So the principles of reparenting are discipline, finding joy, emotional regulation, and self-care. You All things that come, that I think, that I think at least, like, come natural to me. Yeah. But I think in, in thinking about a time, you know, that my feelings were hurt or that I was sad. Or, yeah you know, whatever. I th- and also I think that that would kind of just be a default. Ah, uh, yeah. Know, like somebody was like, think back to a time, you know, and it's not that I had this terribly sad childhood, but like that would be the thing. Right? Okay, keep going, babe. I'm sorry, I clicked the wrong button and our recording just <laughs> stopped very ghetto. Okay, keep going. So uh, like you want to go back to childhood. Yeah, like I would try to, you know, search for those sad moments just by default. Yeah. But I like that you all, you know, swing back to something positive mm-hmm. to create that balance because I would certainly need it. It's just kind of how deeply emotional I am. Mm-hmm. What I wanted to ask you, though, was so far, right, of what do we say? Choice, mm-hmm. um, perspective, reframing, reparenting, which has been the toughest for you to, like, consistently practice? Ooh, that's a question. Um you know, who that's a good question. I think choice and reparenting. And I think reparenting is really hard because as you know, I am in this journey of kind of struggling to find ways that like I was deeply affected by things from my childhood and that I just, I really did grow up in a very privileged way. And by privileged, I I mean like emotionally, I think and mentally. Um, But there's still some blocks there that even like my parents can't quite figure out. Um, 
And so I think for me, the reparenting, typically when people talk about reparenting, we do hear about it and we talk about it like in childhood. But I think for me, a lot of my reparenting may, I, I don't know, I just haven't figured out like the connections with, with my actual childhood, like pre-cancer. Um, so from like zero to 16 or 15. Um, but a lot of my reparenting I'm learning is really evident in how codependent I am just in relationships, period. I, I tend to just not be a person to do things independently, yeah. um, really besides like academic stuff. And so I think that reparenting is really, really hard for me because it takes a lot of trust in that moment that I can actually resource myself. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about some of this the other day and I'm trying to remember what I told you. And you you're like, you know, what do you need from me in this moment like as your wife and i think i said like something like i want my wife to love herself mm -hmm. first yeah first and foremost yeah and you were saying that like what would make you happy is like me being independent i think is is to something something to that degree and i think i'm so like fiercely independent in so many different ways yeah, yeah, yeah. um but i'm also so I do fall into these like codependent patterns again, like thoughtlessly. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it's like, I don't know. I feel like just overall the intentionality that it takes, I think to actively love myself, especially um, lately is, is just hard. I feel very exhausted. I, um, I literally, I was just telling somebody today, I have no idea if I'm in like a depressive episode, if I'm burnt out, like if I'm just, yeah. Yeah, like I just a lot of emotional labor. A lot. Um, a lot. Um, and one of the things I also am learning is this thing called the felt sense. Um, and again, Layla Martin it, um taught me about this, where you really start to draw your attention to your body and you really start to feel and recognize in your body where you feel certain things. Mm -hmm. And so instead of just being sad, instead of choosing to just engage, you know, to like, to, I have my trigger, you know, I'm, I'm choosing to engage with this feeling. We'll just use sadness. And then also while I'm like reparenting myself and, and really before I even reparent myself, really figuring out where in my body do I feel this sadness mm -hmm. and what is that sadness in my body trying to tell me and then figuring out how I can like resource that. Um, I, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. It is emotionally exhausting, <laughs> but I never want to go back to not loving myself. Like I never, ever, ever want to go back because it just, if it, it literally feels like I see like colors for the first time, yeah. like it feels like you this is just like how life like is supposed to be where you were, you know, a year ago or two years ago. And you're just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting, like, seeing the old me in, in various people and in various situations. Um, yeah, that's another good question. Does it make you, does it make, has it made you think back to previous, like, romantic relationships or friendships? And you're like, wow. Or like, in your words, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I feel very bad about the version of myself that I was. I don't want to say I feel bad because that's not the right word. I don't have like any regrets per se, but. You're like, I may not have shown up as my best self. I mean, and I, it wasn't even like a may not. I didn't. Yeah, like, and yeah. I was so blind to my own bullshit that I didn't recognize especially when it came to like romantic partners, like I didn't recognize just how flawed I was. I mean, I knew I was flawed. Like I never thought I was perfect, but I just had no business being in certain dynamics, especially mm -hmm. while not loving myself. Yeah. Um, and again, not even just romantically, I'm talking like friendship. Like I just, I had no business being that way. And I think one of the, one of the first things I was going to say one of the first moments I knew that I loved you in particular, but it's not true because I believe you. I knew I loved you in way before you said this. But I think one of the most beautiful things that you've ever said to me just as a person um, is that you recognized how sensitive I was or I am. And you are so protective of me in that regard. And I think that was the most one of the most beautiful things because you really just take really good care of like that part of me just as a person first, then as like your partner. Mm -hmm. um, even before I knew how to do that for myself without me even knowing that I didn't know how to do that for myself. And it literally, I just feel like I've just been like this like little kid just like aimlessly walking around and like bumping <laughs> my head on shit continuously without recognizing like Camille, like, all you have to do is like put on your glasses and like you don't have to bump into things or whatever. Um, and I, I don't know. I think anybody religious probably listening to this is, you know, I don't know, is going to like turn it off. But like even things about like manifestation and attracting, like thinking about the kind of people that I would attract or the kind of people yeah. that would attract me, like we are all just walking around, many of us, so broken without knowing it. And it, I think for me, like that's why I created becoming unfuckwittable. I I was so happy to do it with Carol, um, and I'm really really gonna miss doing it with Carol. Um, but it was just I'm, I was so happy to professionally align with somebody that really did recognize that the likelihood of us truly loving ourselves is slim to none because of all these things that are stacked against us. But to know that I have the power of the science of human behavior and I have the power of psychology behind me to create such a fucking force. Yeah. Um, I'm honored. I'm, I'm so honored. I absolutely love doing this e-course. I'm really excited. I'll be launching one-on-one um, -on -one coaching soon, nice. um, helping people individually to become unfuckwittable and yeah. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on? I know like you have seen a lot of my journey. Um, is there anything else that you're like, this is what I want people to know about becoming unfuckwittable? I just think I want people to know that this isn't your average, like, you love yourself because you just said it to yourself three times or so I'm telling you, the next thing that's going to come through here is going to be like a marching band. I'm not kidding. I and really hope that y'all can't hear this. <laughs> like but watch them that. not be able to hear us outside. And, and then like, yeah. <laughs>
Um, well, in yeah. case y'all can't hear it, there's a whole bunch of motorcycles that are outside. Yeah, yes. we've, we've opened up if you don't sure. know, Hawaii is actually way louder than you may imagine. I thought I really thought Hawaii was like quiet before we moved really? here. I did. I don't know what I was thinking. I think out west is probably much more quiet. Yeah. Okay. But I'm sorry. I just, you want I, people I, to know I want what? People to know that this is this isn't like your run of the mill cliche um, self help kind of course. It's, true. It's, it's really not. I mean, you're doing emotional labor. Using behavior analysis, yeah. yeah. It's labor intensive, but on the other side of that is just, I mean, such a a whole new world. Yeah, yeah, such a sense of just renewal. Yeah. And I mean, it really sets you, I think, on a completely different trajectory. Absolutely. And I I don't know, I I can't wait to see what comes of it for sure. Thank you, babe. So the last thing I want to say before we wrap is that becoming unfuckwittable is about choosing to defiantly love yourself. First and foremost. And what defiance is defined by is an open resistance and a bold disobedience. And I want people to understand. And what what are we disobeying? Everything. Like it is a rebellious, intentional act. It is all of the things that of, are stacked against us, all, all of the things, things, all of the racism, all of the capitalism, yes, all, all of the, the phobias, all of the isms. Yes. yes. And it's a literally choosing, like defiantly choosing to love yourself. Um, there's this, this saying that Carol and I coined with this where it's like, you're not broken, you're give a fuck is. Yes. And that's like exactly truly what it is. And so, I really, really appreciate you coming on and just giving a little bit of your perspective of me throughout my journey. Um, I highly suggest you all follow the new Instagram page, which is B as in boy, U as an umbrella, dot G-M-F-O-A-T. If you sign up for the course, and you don't have to be broken to sign up for the course at all. If you just need maintenance, you just need some fine tuning. Yes, yes. Sign up. Um, when you sign up for the course, um, when you complete the course, um, I, you know you'll figure out what that hashtag is. Um, but truly, I just I want to help people see colors. I want to help people weaponize defiance. And I want to help people just be them unapologetically, all of them. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to to help more people become unfuckwittable. All right, y'all follow on the Instagram page at love sex ABA join the Patreon, which is love sex and applied behavior analysis. Go ahead, head over to Apple. Um, Go ahead and please, please, please give me five stars and then also give me um, a rating. I would love to um, just hear what y'all think. Um, as y'all know, this is a huge, huge labor of love that I absolutely enjoy. And I just always love hearing um, what you all think about it. So, yeah, head over there, give some five stars, give a good rating. And, yeah, please remember just with that Patreon specifically, 
there are different levels of reinforcement that are included in each of those levels. So that support starts out at $5 and it is capped at $25 a month. So please, please, please head over there, join my Patreon, give me some of that positive reinforcement. I will be so incredibly thankful. All right, let's wrap it on up. All right, y'all, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me on Love, Sex, and Applied Behavior Analysis, the podcast where pop culture and ABA meet. Bye.